0: It is Season 3, Episode 1 of the 465... <clears throat> what the fuck? Why the fuck did it see? This... Alright, hold on. Redo. Cut that out. <clears throat> it is Season 3, Episode 1 of the 465 Fantasy Football Podcast. We're back. I'm your host, G-Money, the Commish. We got a new season ahead of us, but we got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about last season. We got to talk about the draft we're going to get into next season, a little too early predictions. We got a big show ahead of us. We're still looking for a new theme song here. We got one lined up for now, but it's it's not going to be the theme song for the year. I need your help. Head over to the Instagram. Let's get a good theme song for the year, and let's just get this thing going. Oh, here it goes.
1: Uh, and to get down. Free, still get lonely, cause the night, you can make it better. We, we, come a little bit too. Us and you together, there ain't nothing
0: we can do. Uh, welcome into the four sixty five fantasy football podcast. There's no way else to put it. We're back. I can't believe this shit's happening again. Four months of NFL football, four months of fantasy football. Oh, what a time to be alive. All right. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about today. I just want to give out a quick message here. Give out my quick uh, my quick obituary, if you would. Uh, last year was a fun year. Arguably one of the better teams I've ever had. Um. Probably one of the better teams this league's ever seen, and they're not going to ever be remembered because, you know, Jamal Williams and Elijah McGuire put the nails in my coffin. So that's all I have to say about that. They can't have killed the dynasty. We'll find out. Speaking about killed dynasties, I'm going to introduce our first guest here today, the two-time champion of the 465. Finished last year, 1-12. Tough, tough, tough break for the two-time champ. I believe that's two years in a row now where he's not made the playoffs. He's got a lot of making up to do. He's coming back with a vengeance. Uh, he's, he's calling it. He's he's got a name for it already. His mantra for this year is a circle of life. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. BJ Burton. <laughs> to be honest i didn't know where to cut that song off so uh, uh bj what's going on two-time champ welcome back to the 465 fantasy football podcast how we doing gee now that was that was a fine place to cut it off it, it, it
2: hit that, that beginning part it's all i'm looking for like you said my uh mantra this year is a circle of life and just like uh the great mufasa says uh, you know the, the antelopes become the grass the grass is what the lions eat you know, it all comes around. You know, I took my, I took my lumps last year as the antelope. I got, I got eaten, but I, I plan on coming back this year as the lion, just where I deserve to be where I have been in the past. It's a circle of life and, and you know what it's the circles coming around and uh, Simba is coming back. He's here again.
0: Simba is back and better than ever. BJ, after going one in 12 last year, I know we had preliminary discussions before the podcast. We're just saying things couldn't get any worse. So, I mean, you're right. So we're looking for a bounce back this year. Do you think you have it in you? Obviously, you have the number one pick in this year's draft. Is that something that with your keeper, Tyree Kill, you're looking at a potential starting duo of Saquon Barkley and Tyree Kill. Is that something that gives you optimism for a better start to your season? Absolutely. And, you know, you look like in the
2: regular pros in the NFL, the, the worst team in the league, the team that wins one, two, three games gets the first pick. And I was rewarded for my futility last year. You know, I, I had the rough year, but I got the first pick and I'm going to make it count. Like you said, Tyreek, I think even though you could have looked at it as a little too early of a keeper, third round, especially with me being in the first, uh, the first pick, you can't pass up who was the number one wide receiver in the league last year in fantasy and with with patty mahomes still throwing the ball chucking it up i had to do it so i am pretty excited about what i have in store with you know top tier running back to start out with and the number one wide receiver in fantasy
0: running those post routes scoring tds all day long definitely not a bad place to be uh bj is always always the man when i need when i need him to come onto this podcast he's someone i can always turn to when we need a guest when we need some quality content so bj i thank you but tonight he's not doing it alone and he didn't know he wasn't doing it alone until about five minutes ago uh, we're bringing room b back together so let's go back to mountain view 465 the, you know the whole reason why this league is the 465 think about room b think about all the pillow talk think about mr Allen brown
1: your bunny. no Everybody knew, didn't track, I yeah, 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 yeah. the uh, Show, You know the game's about picking and choosing, you don't know when you want you're so used to losing, move around, now, move around, now, move around, now, move around, now. Move around. Move. I know you see me trying to party home, give me that broom, don't make me up as 40 on me, click the clap, boom. move around, now, move around, now,
0: mr alan brown welcome in to the 465 fantasy football podcast we'll bring bj back into it in a minute but alan the floor is yours now buddy how you doing
3: welcome welcome thanks for having me bro
0: appreciate you coming out coming through in the clutch like i like i mentioned earlier BJ had no idea that you were doing this together. You knew if you were coming on, you were gonna uh, be part of BJ, and then you guys just assaulted me all at once, throwing me under the bus, acting like you didn't know.
3: I th- I thought you were gonna record different segments and piece them together, so that's that's what I was under the impression of. Um, but you're right; you, I think you did sandbag both of us, and you had you had it coming when we dumped on you. So,
0: well, I definitely feel dumped on. Brown, I want to talk to you about your finish last year. Obviously, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong here, so please correct me if I am. Started off a little slow, had to win your way out to the playoffs. You did exactly what you needed to do. Got undrafted rookie. I got undrafted rookie. Undrafted free agent, Patty Mahomes on the squad to really take it to the next level. And then you seemed like your team was on the uprise, and then Kareem Hunt did what Kareem Hunt did. But it's okay. It's okay because I think you got Damian Williams out of it. Kind of helped your season there. But didn't get as quite as far as you wanted to. What, what are some of the things that you, you were most proud of from last year's team?
3: Uh, definitely proud of the team for fighting back at the end of the year. Um, and in the middle of the season, they're winning out basically to get in the playoffs. So you're right about that. Uh, two years ago, it was Wentz. And then this year, it's Kareem Hunt. And then speaking of Tyreek Hill, somehow he's still playing. I don't know. Roger Goodell has it out, but yeah, Kareem Hunt kind of fucked me, but at least made it to the playoffs, um, after a slow start there. So
0: things were looking up for you, you know, I know it's a stressful time for everyone, but you, you pulled off what you need to pull off. There was a time there where Kareem Hunt and Patty Mahomes were just 30 points a week each. It was, a uh, it was quite the spectacle to be had, but I wanted to touch on this a little bit common trends that we've seen the last couple of years, obviously, um, you getting undrafted quarterbacks to lead your team to the promised land before some weird shit happens. Last year, Kareem Hunt, uh, the year before, you got Wentz and he tore his ACL. I know, speaking for myself, uh, getting that undrafted, Well, for me, it was Kareem Hunt that two years ago and then James Conner this year and then finding that number one defense somewhere along the year. Uh, do you think common trends like th- – I think trends that have happened – in that way the last couple years is something that can keep happening or you think we just caught two lucky breaks there
3: uh so we were definitely the ones that got lucky by getting those players but there's always some of those guys each year um and then there's always those guys in the the first 10 picks or the first 20 picks that uh end up completely busting so you know if you can avoid the landmines and then get lucky once or twice that's usually what it takes to get uh get into the playoffs and have a pretty solid team throughout the year so we, we were lucky by getting those guys, but um, I'm sure they're going to happen again this year.
0: Now, I want to bring BJ back into his, back into this. I was talking to BJ beforehand about this, and I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, so we brought out the draft board um, a couple weeks ago, and we took a look at that board, and you really realize how many players are not on your team at the end of the year, whether it be trades or uh, dropping players. The guy's just not panning out. Injuries. Uh, BJ, I'm going to start with you here. How much importance do you put on the draft to the outcome of your fantasy season? Well, I think that you have to put at least some importance into it. I know we, we talked
2: about, you know, you hit the waiver wires, like you said, with Allen, back-to-back years, catching Carson Wentz and Patty Mahomes. If Carson Wentz didn't get hurt two years ago, Allen probably has back-to-back MVPs at the quarterback position that he didn't draft. So, So you have... You have those, uh, you know, undrafted or late round picks that really hit, and those are the ones that more or less win the championship for you if you could hit on one or two of those. But you still have to hit on your early picks in the draft. So, I mean, that's something that really hurt me last year. I, you know, being in the ninth position where I was, all the good running backs were taken. So I think I was the one that uh, broke the mold with with Julio Jones, and then I was kind of stuck with that next tier of running back in the second round. And it was probably my biggest mistake. And my biggest hurt, um, from last year was was Jordan Howard. And I know we don't talk about other leagues, but I, I did, I was pretty high on Jordan Howard in a bunch of leagues last year and he screwed me in all two, three, four that I had him in. And, uh, you know, you look from, from last year, he's a, a top, you know, 10 running back to at the very least. Now you're not even seeing him on boards anymore. So that's that's where the importance of the draft really comes into me. Is if you're not hitting on those first, second, third round picks, it's basically a waste. And you waste a top round player, you waste a pick, and it screws you for the rest of the draft. Allen,
3: I think he nailed it. It's the landmines that really kill you in the early rounds. Um, and as long as you don't get blown up by that, like although Artie had a great season last year and he had Le'Veon Bell in the first, so you can you can play through it. But if you if you hit one of those landmines, um, then, you know, you're usually at an uphill all year. So if you avoid that, um, and then, you know, waiver wire, I think the draft can lose you the season more than it can win you because just of how much turnover there usually is, uh, between injuries and just guys not panning out and stuff like that. So yeah, you got to avoid the landmines and you can, you can probably do pretty good, but
0: yeah. Um, Definitely, it's definitely a, the building block, but it's, it's really all, all about the moves that, uh I mean, ultimately, it's how the, the players perform, because you don't have to make any, like I was also telling BJ beforehand, uh Canif and Avina had similar seasons back to back, they just kind of drafted really good teams that took them to where they needed to go. But when the time came down to it, Canif made the right moves when he needed to, to ultimately win the championship. And for him, that was Jamal Williams and Elijah McGuire. Uh, BJ actually brought up an interesting stat that I, I want you to bring. That uh, BJ, if you have it up, I'd like you to talk about. Uh, well, so why don't you go ahead and do that?
2: Yeah, so uh, just taking a look for the first or second time here on, on the site, I noticed a new statistic that they have on the standing site when I go back to the two down here, and it's moves. So the amount of moves that we made uh, throughout the course of the year, and it was look, the most moves was actually a tie between – I'll, I'll pause for a second to see if uh, – just let you think of who Jay. made the most moves. I'll actually tur- – I'll turn over to Alan. There were two people that made 36 moves for the year, Alan. Who do you think they were?
3: My first guess is Jay.
2: Jay was one of them, 36 moves. And then G? No, actually G was fourth with 32. So the order went to actually J with 36. You, Alan, with 36, so you actually made the same amount of moves as Jay at the top of the list. Then it came to me, 32 moves. So it really shows that sometimes when you're making the wrong moves, I guess in my case, the wrong moves, even though I made a ton of them, still only equated to one win. Now, with that being said, I said that the, the, the most amount of moves were 36. The least amount of moves made for the entire year was only eight. Eight moves the entire year. Do you know who that was, Alan? Avena. No. Wow. The least amount of moves made for the entire year was OJ's white Bronco, Brian Caniff, the champion of the league. Unbelievable. I know. So that just goes to show you, like, we're saying, yes, the the draft is important, and also if you could hit on those waiver wires, like Allen has in the past years, it can make a break, but this just goes to show you that sometimes if you draft well and make the right moves, like is saying, it could turn into a Championship.
3: I think my biggest takeaway from that is you got to be pretty drunk when you draft. <laughs> so that's going to be interesting this year with an AM draft. But you know, who am I to ignore the uh, the numbers there? You got to you got to get drunk while you draft. You draft the fire team, and you can kind of put it on autopilot all year.
2: That's basically it. And the the good thing for me is I believe Kenneth drafted first last year, so history's on my side this year. Yeah,
0: Kenneth did draft first last year. Um it <laughs> it still bothers the hell out of me. Uh I, I did talk a lot of shit about him before the playoffs. I thought he was the worst team going into the playoffs. He made it all the way, he did what he had to do. He had the money in the end, which is also huge because the, the free agent budget really plays a big part because uh if you know if you had the money in the end, you could kind of block those moves. And I tried to block some of those moves, I just didn't have the cash flow to do it. And that's okay, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, Alan, I, famous for saying, you know, fantasies, even though we're playing season long, it's really a week-to-week game and anything can happen. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, think back to last year, if you would, uh, your biggest regret, your biggest your biggest uh, reward and your biggest regret of last year, if you can think back on it. And this time, Alan, I think I'm going to start with you.
3: Um, my biggest regret is pretty much every draft pick I made after the second round. <laughs> um and, and we were when we were looking at the board, it was just like, Good God, like literally I think one player after that point in time did anything for me all year. So it was pretty pretty ugly. So pretty much the whole draft. Um and then my biggest my biggest reward um or biggest like success would be uh that Tevin Coleman for Kittle trade. Um because once I was kind of stabilized there, it kinda of carried me for a while. Um and, but I do remember the morning of that trade being uh, pretty nervous about making that. I thought Tevin Coleman had a lot of potential that year, um, and I was pretty high on him. So uh, that one worked out in the end. Um, but again, that's kind of like a, a 50-50 shot at the time. So,
0: BJ?
2: The greatest move or greatest move? Whatever one right
0: you want to start with, both of them. I mean –
2: yeah, so I think I already, touch, I already touched on my worst move, the, one, the most regretful one. And that was um, Jordan Howard. I think that one kind of screwed me because he was my second-round pick. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, when you only have one win, there's not really much to be proud of. So I guess the move that I'm most proud of is actually the trade that I made with Artie late in the season for the second year in a row. I was able to secure my keeper for the year after, last year being Zeke in the third round, this year being Tyreek in the third round so because I really didn't have much to keep before that so just having that uh that keeper to go for it was it was a big deal for me this year
0: yeah um two years in a row going after that keeper it didn't work out for you the first year um hopefully hopefully that all shifts out for you this year for me uh, my biggest thing I was most <clears throat> proud of was probably I you guys are not gonna like this answer because it gets a lot of shit but pulling off that Devonte Adams trade i um, it's not something it was even that sketchy. Uh, like I told, like I've been telling everybody, I literally sent Mike Ooh. the the trade. <laughs> I sent Mike the trade offer, and then like in those next couple of days, I didn't talk to him. I didn't like push him. I didn't overbear him with any messages. Just left it there. And then one of his another one of his running backs went down because early in the year he had no Ronald, Ronald Jones was Mike's RB two after the draft, so he really had no running back to lean on, and um, I had I had that Carlos Hyde and Randall Cobb all for waiting for him and when that all happened he pressed accept and obviously Demonte Adams had a huge year after that so that's probably the most definitely the most rewarding move for me I have a I have a couple regrets and um first one pains me to say but drafting Rob Gronkowski um he had as much as I love Gronk and I'm a huge Gronk guy and obviously he's retired now so I wish him the best of luck but um getting him in the second round and him just really not producing all year he had a huge week one and there might have been one more the rest of the way and that's not really what you need out of a, uh, you know, perennial tight M1 or an early draft pick like that. And then I guess my second one would be not drafting James Conner. I guess I, I, obviously nobody really knew the situation there, but if I could have had James Conner in those, those late rounds, he would have been a, a hell of a keeper, hell of a thirteen, fourteen, fifteenth 15th round keeper going into this year, and I would have been in a, a real, real good spot. So those are probably my two biggest regrets.
2: I think if you would have kept James Conner, that'd probably be the best keeper that you could have had. I mean, yeah. I think Alan probably has it with Kittle, but that would have been the keeper.
0: Yeah. So, um, we're going to talk a little bit about keepers in a little bit, and that's something I definitely want to bring up. Cause I think we have a nice, uh, <laughs> nice disparity here. I think uh, we'll get into it after, but I think, you know, we have, we have two people here. One has the best keeper and one has, the the quote unquote worst keeper, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so well, I want to talk about next, this year, oh, it says next year on the notes, but this year we're going into season. I don't even know what season this is anymore, but, um, so we're going to Mohegan next week. The league has expanded to 12. This is also a good reason to have both of you here. I know, uh, the vote came down to nine to two and we'll, we'll try to keep it, you know, you can keep yourself in, and then I don't even know the word for it. Anonymous, anonymous, if you want, um, I know there's differentiating, there's different feelings on both changing to 12 and wanting to stay at 10. So, uh, BJ, we'll start with you here. Um, What are your thoughts on the league expanding to 12 teams?
2: I mean, I don't think it's been any secret what my opinion was. I know we talked about it last year as well with the expansion to 12, and I was staunchly against it last year, and I was the same this year. Um, I think 12 is too much because, I mean, and and it, it shows now when I'm doing my mocks, um, when you have that top round draft pick first second, third, there's a long wait until that second round draft pick comes around. I mean, I'm drafting one and 25. So I mean the amount of top tier talent that is there at 25 is not something that I'm excited about. Um, when we're at 10, you, you know you gain back four or five draft picks that w- which are four or five more talented players that you could possibly have. I mean, the extra money's great, but I like seeing some, some good players on my squad and not having, you know, when you get to the 10th, 11th, 12th round, looking at whose backup's backup you're looking at. You know, who who's the Kansas City Chiefs' fifth wide receiver that Patty Mahomes is going to chuck touchdowns to. I mean, it's going to set the, the boys apart from the men of, of who does their research, but I've never been a proponent of 12. Still, I'm not. Kind of a little bummed about it, but... What are you going to do at this point,
0: uh, Brown? I know you th- your thought process is a little different on this. You you've done a lot of twelve teams in the past, so what what is your thought process here?
3: Yeah, I will say I'm a complete one eighty. I've actually been uh, pro expansion. I was in favor for it last year. Uh, my only problem is we don't have Hunter Henrik Rose B. curtain's owner from the original of the year back in the league. I think that's pretty disappointing. Um, but other than that, I think twelve is um, it's just going to be more challenging. Like BJ, I completely agree. The uh, those extra four picks make a difference. I'm I'm picking guys in like my fourth and fifth round mocks, and I'm just like, holy smokes, this is gonna be tough. But um, I think it, it makes it more competitive um, and a little bit more exciting. So as long as the uh, the expansion players and, I, and I'm fully confident they will are just as engaged and keep the league competitive and fun. I think that's what uh, that's what I like most about this league. So if we can add more people to it and keep that going, I think it's a good idea.
0: Uh, for me, I um, let's put it this way. I wanted Greg Pendergast in the league. Um, he's also, as Alan alluded to with Hunter, uh, surprisingly to most people, surprised. Um, Greg was also an original member of this league before leaving. So I'm happy to have Greg here, but I kind of side with BJ and, uh, and just because, honestly, I haven't done too many 12 teams. I think I've done one ever. And everything I've ever done has been ten, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic. It's something to get used to, but I really think it's going to weed out the boys from the men. Uh, moves are going to become that more important. The draft, I think, becomes that more important because there's you know uh, 50, thirty of more guys going than normal, so it's going to be a lot to a lot more to balance. But I think it's going to be fun. I'm happy to have Gabe. I'm happy to have Greg. I actually, have their phone calls. Uh, I'll put those in now. So G-Money Commission, when you listen back to this later, please insert their uh, inaugural phone calls, letting them know they were into the league. Okay. (laughs) All right, so let's go on here. Um, We'll be at Mohegan next week. BJ will be there. Alan will be there. Jimmy will not be there. Uh, any any comment from any of you on Jimmy picking his boys over the boys uh, Alan I think you're up to start first so we'll start there
3: no real comment for Jim
0: BJ same
3: I'm just disappointed no you know what I, I'm, I'm
2: coming back in you know what I, I'll tap back in as the person that I'm still waiting to get hit in the mouth by Jim after what four years he's got <laughs> he's got no balls he still won't do it Yeah. Um, you know it just shows where his allegiance stands um we know we're gonna draft uh you know around the same time just like we did last year and the year before and the year before and the year before so this should already be prior knowledge for him and just to know that he scheduled this or agreed to this hamptons trip or wherever he's going and then when he montauk so yeah it's the same crap and then when uh it, it just makes more traffic for me on Long Island. I don't care which one it is. But when, when you know, he knows when the draft is and then he still picks his other boys. I'm doing air quotes for this one. It just shows there's his allegiance stands. It's sad. It's really sad. DJ, I got to say, I actually
0: heard the air quotes there. So that was good. I, I'm, th- it was meant to be heard. Jimmy, you know we want you there. Well, at least I want you there. But um, picking the boys over the league is, is, is a no-go. And if you didn't have... A long history in this league that's that's grounds for that's you know in the future that's grounds for um getting kicked out because i'll do anything to go back to 10 men so if i have to kick you out for picking the boys over the boys then i'll do what i have to do um so that's set league rules greg's here gabe's here welcome uh now let's uh take a look at the keepers uh for this year and G Money Commission when you hear this, add the keepers, blah blah blah. Well, you guys know the keepers,
4: right? Le'Veon on bell, motherfuckers. You know.
5: What up, G, It's Jay, aka big Hoss Patricia, aka the father calling in my keeper. Uh either seventh or eighth 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 seventh or eighth round. Julian Edelman, Super Bowl MVP. Shut up, Artie. Hi, Chief. Prime Physio Rehab will be keeping James White in the 11th round.
4: Hi, buddies. This is the two-time champion, uh, last year's last-place champion, but we're not gonna talk about that. Uh, I wanna give my keeper, but before doing that, I wanna set two things straight. One, I'm so confident that I'm gonna make the playoffs this year. I'm gonna give a mandate that I will make the playoffs, and I'm so confident that if I don't, I'm saying right now on uh, July 31st that if I don't make the playoffs, I will cover the room B for you losers next year, at Mohegan for next year's draft. That if I don't make the playoffs, I will cover the room B for you losers next year, at Mohegan for next year's draft. If I don't make the playoffs. I will cover the room B. For you losers Next year stuff. Of course not my room Because I will say separately Because I can't stay with you So that's how confident I am I'll make the playoffs and if I don't I will cover your room fee For next year Second thing I want to set straight With my keeper Is that I am not An advocate of child beating And with that being said I will be taking Tyreek Hill For my keeper this year Thank you And have a nice day Two time champ out
5: Stop losers Montauk here. Just down to my keep. Cooper Cup, round twelve. Fuck you. Peace. What to do, baby? I pick my keeper. Eighth round. Carry on, John. All right, have a good year, boys. This is Brian Canis. OJ's white Bronco. Just wanted to call it my keeper for the year. Um, I was a little disappointed, to be honest with you, when I looked back at my team and my draft last year from a keeper perspective because really didn't have many options. Um, therefore, I'm going to go with Tyree Lockett, who I drafted in the 15th round. He's poised for a breakout year this season. He's going to be Russell Wilson's number one target. He. Looking at my calculations, according to my good friends, Matthew Berry, Field Gates, et cetera, average draft position somewhere around 50th, which puts them, you know, in that fourth, fifth round range. So I'm getting uh, 10 rounds worth of upgrade there. Um, also will allow me to hit some running backs early in the draft, knowing that I've got a solid wide receiver coming to the 15th round. So a little analysis in the draft. Analyze fantasy football. Some of you guys probably aren't on that level, um, but just want to give you a little insight into my mind. Um, good luck to everybody this year, and look forward to seeing y'all in the draft. Camp out. George Kittle. Thanks, Artie. G-Money to commission. Uh, this is half Bait calling in his uh, keeper pick from 2019-2020 season. Um, and I'll be taking Sonny Michelle from round 10 of the New England Patriots. All right,
0: everybody. It's your boy, G-Money the Commission. keeping Joe Mixon, third round. Cincinnati Bengals, formerly of the University of Oklahoma, apparently not Alabama. Who knew? Roll
3: Tide. on Bell, motherfuckers. I know most of them.
0: And all right, well, those were the keepers. Uh, Out of that keeper list, Alan, which one stands out most to you? And please don't mention yourself.
3: Well, I'm I'm obviously most excited about my keeper. So, yeah, let's just keep going. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, So I think keepers are interesting. Um, I don't think they're a complete make or break, but they can definitely give you – you know, a good cornerstone. I I was just kind of talking with Jay the other day about how you approach the keepers. And I think there is two strategies. One is like, all right, what's the most extreme value. And then the other is just like, all right, if I can just guarantee myself, I'm going to get this awesome player, then there's a ton of value to that too. So earlier you were saying that BJ has the worst keeper. I actually disagree with that just because I think Tyreek Hill has, you know, wide receiver one capability, um, especially with Mahomes and the whole offense and all that kind of thing that, even even if he is only a one or two round value at in the third round there, it's it's just knowing that you can you have him at that spot. You can target other positions early in the draft. So um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a worse one or whatever. I think there's just a d- bunch of different ways to approach it. But I do disagree that Tyree Kill is the worst one.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that, Alan. I think this th- this would be good pillow talk for us, and and we did not plan that beforehand. Just so you know, but I, I happen to actually agree. With Alan on that, not because you know there was some talk about m- me having the worst keeper, but I would be hard-pressed for anybody to say that just looking at the 10 keepers that we have, it, just strictly talking about people that you would want on your team week after week, Tyreek Hill wouldn't be, if not number one for everybody, at the worst, number two. I mean, yeah, if you look at Caniff, he had a good value pick. With, with Tyler Lockett, late, um, I'm going to guess maybe 10th, 11th. I don't know if, if you guys know for, for sure. But would you rather have Tyler Lockett on your team or would you rather have Tyreek Hill? And I think the answer is pretty simple. They'd rather have Tyreek Hill on your team. I mean, there's there's some good value slash um, promise ones with you know, Juju. I think that's probably more or less the best keeper because of where Artie's keeping him as opposed to what his actual value is, probably second, early, third but I think it's a it's a fine line to say which one's good or bad because I'm pretty happy Tyree kills on my team. Would I have liked him later? Yes, but I think everybody made a pretty good decision when it comes to their keepers.
0: Yeah, I think and Alan, I think Alan put it perfectly there. It becomes value and just a matter of having your guy on the team. And the way I've been justifying, because obviously Joe Mixon for myself is, um. Joe Mixon is my third round keeper. So we're keeping him in, our keepers are both in the same round. But at, at the end of the day, if, you know, Tyree Kill's sitting there in the third round for BJ at pick twenty five and twenty six, I can guarantee you he'd take Tyree Kill. And I feel the same way about taking Joe Mixon at thirty two. If Joe Mixon's sitting there at thirty two with the with some of those other guys that are there, I'd take Joe Mixon probably every time. So and obviously Tyree Kill is going in early second round. Joe Mixon's going in early second round. So I really think like I said, Alan put it the best. It really becomes about value, and then obviously, if you get the late guys like the George Kittles, and you know, for I mean, for what it's worth, Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin's gone now, so getting him where he's getting him is not is not a worst case scenario either. Um, George Kittles the easy the easy pick for the best keeper just because of uh, how how valuable that tight end position is, especially the top three, and then the huge drop off after that. Um, go ahead. No, listen, don't don't get don't get me
2: wrong when I say Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett's a very good keeper, especially since Doug Baldwin's gone and also with the round the Calf's gonna get him. All I was trying to get the point across is if if I said, Hey, gee, you could have Tyler Lockett on your team or you could have Tyreek Hill on your team, which one are you picking? I mean it's Tyreek Hill hundred percent of the time. Right so that's all i'm saying is is it depends on how you look at the keeper position is are you looking for the value of the the draft pick or are you looking for the the tier of the player so it's really more a matter of perspective brown you want to add anything else
0: to that
3: um no i i, uh, I agree like it's just it's just the having the guy in tyree kill who could be wide receiver one um you know, just with that potential upside, I don't think Lockett quite has that upside, so that's the value.
0: 100%. Um, Bj, um, I wanna, I wanna transition now. Talk about the draft order. We, I feel like we did everything so quick, so early. Feels like a lifetime ago, but we locked in the keepers, and then we locked in the draft order that night, and or however it happened. So the draft order's set. I don't necessarily. I'm gonna try to go through this, and I might be wrong. So if somebody has it, correct me. But it's Bj picking first um g Payne two jays at three pendergast is at four yes. Miyag is at five jimmy's at six gabe's seventh i'm picking eighth kando's nine uh, brown i think you're 10. arty is 11 and 12 is avena so uh bj i know you you've, you've said a lot of things over you said a lot of things about this number one pick obviously you had the number one pick um and but you know is 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 there somewhere else in the draft you feel like you'd rather be picking i know you you talked about you know having the 10th pick and you can actually discuss that with alan because alan has a 10th pick and um so how do you like where what is your thought process on where you're picking and how it really affects your strategy i mean uh, of
2: course i i love having number one pick because look i i get my sole selection of who i want i get who I think the top guy on the board is no matter who that is. It's, it's my guy. I don't have to wait for anybody. I don't have to hope that this guy takes this guy or so on and so forth. So this guy falls to me. It's my selection. So I, I do like being number one. I wish there was more of a clear cut number one to me. I'm still teetering between a couple of different guys. So I'm very happy with number one, as I've already said, I'm not happy to have to wait now until 25 to get my second round pick. Um, I think there's more places I wouldn't want to be in this draft just because, as we discussed earlier, we went to 12. Um, as far as the, I think we all agree that the running backs, especially in this league and many of the leagues are probably the most important position to have. So I know, G, you're at eight. And I think that's kind of like right at the edge of where you could still grab a top tier running back. So those nine through twelve guys, I think unless somebody goes out of the ordinary with a top tier wide receiver or, you know, just shocks everybody, I think that's when the, the big those guys are gonna have the big time wide receivers and then really gonna have to search for that next tier level of running back. And that's where, like we said before, it's gonna separate the boys from the men. Of did you do your research? Do you know who who's maybe that second tier running back guy that's Po- uh, poised to have a big year so I think it's more where I wouldn't want to be in this
0: draft than where I am if that makes sense makes a perfect sense uh Brown picking 10th um what what's your kind of thought process going into it because 10th in the past meant a lot of good things now you still have two picks ahead of you I mean two picks after you and then two more picks after that before you're back around
2: yeah, look, if I could say one more thing before Alan goes, is is my, my last championship season, the second one that I had, I was actually drafting 10th. And that was the year that Le'Veon Bell actually was, I think he had a two-game suspension at the beginning of the year. And he wasn't quite Le'Veon just yet, but he was still one of the best guys. I think a lot of you guys shied away from taking him. And I was able to get Le'Veon and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back in the first and second round. And they were the number one running back and number one quarterback. So that's why I was able to fly the championship this year. But as you were saying there, geez, now with Allen drafting 10th, he now has four more picks in between him and his second round pick. So it just makes it that much more difficult sitting at that 10 spot. Brown?
3: So, yeah, I was – I actually don't I – I think I'd rather be 10 than 12. Um, I'd rather not be on the corner. I was hoping to be – Honestly, you know, five, six, seven, like right dead center, I think is ideal. Um, and then you never have to go through that that long desert of, you know, I think it's eighteen picks between my two picks. Um, you know, on the on the other way back. So w- with that, you know, sometimes you're going to have to reach if there's a guy that you know likely won't make it through those eighteen picks. Maybe you have to like take him a you know a round or a half around too early, um, and it kind of the pick where you pick him compared to his ADP might seem a little off, but you just got to have to uh, exactly what you're saying, like know your research, know who your guys are. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be getting one of those top end running backs. I know that. So that kind of already puts my whole outlook on the draft um, in a different light, in a different way that I got to approach that. So uh, I don't think 10 is too bad, but I wish I was a little bit closer to the middle.
0: Yeah, I feel like close to the middle, especially at this rate, you know, you have those consistent picks in between. It's not really a long gap uh picking eight is kind of there almost uh i'm gonna have it still feels like a lifetime in between each pick but that's uh ultimately how it goes um i do want to take a quick break here uh this this quick break is brought to you by i don't know yet we'll figure it out joseph a conti jewelers no diamond is a joseph conti diamond guys i just need to piss real quick i'll be right back good luck buddy
3: i'm gonna piss too then (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hi, it's Vince with Wow. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. It's like a chamois, it's like a towel, it's like a sponge. A regular towel doesn't work wet. This works wet or dry. This is for the house, the car, the boat, the RV. ShamWow holds 12 times its weight in liquid. Look at this, it just does the work. Why do you want to work twice as hard? Doesn't trip, doesn't make a mess. You wring it out, you wash it in the washing machine. Made in Germany. You know the Germans always make good stuff. Here's some cola. Wine, coffee, cola, pet stains. Not only is the damage going to be on top, there's your mildew, that is going to smell. Look at this, put on the spill, turn it over, without even putting any pressure, 50% of the cola right there. You following me, camera guy? The other 50%, the color starts to come up. No other towel's going to do that. It acts like a vacuum. And look at this, virtually dry on the bottom. I can't live without it, I just love it. Oh my gosh, I don't even buy paper towels anymore. If you're going to wash your cars or any kind of vehicle, You'd be out of your mind not to own one of these. All I can say is Sham Wow. You're gonna spend $20 every month on paper towels anyway. You're throwing your money away. The mini Sham Wows are for everything, for everyday use. This lasts 10 years. This lasts a week. I don't know, it sells itself. The ShamWow sells for $19.95. But you get one for the house, one for the car, two for the kitchen and bathroom. And look at this, we'll give you a second set, absolutely free. But call now, you'll get the ShamWow Mop, a vacuum, broom, and mop, all in one. Never get down on your hands and knees again. Just twist the handle to wring it out. Throw it in the washing machine for easy cleaning. Also great for pet hairs. A regular mop pushes the dirt, this'll capture it. So that's eight ShamWows for $19.95. But if you call now, Within the next 20 minutes, because we can't do this all day, you'll get the ShamWow Mop, a $20 value, free. Just pay separate shipping and handling. Here's how to order.
6: Call 1-800-786-7016. Call now to guarantee your free ShamWow Mop. And when you call, ask about our ShamWow Shutter Cleaner. Call 1-800-786-7016. That's 1-800-786-7016. Call now.
0: All right, I'll insert some stupid commercial there. Um, let's get back into it. And welcome back into the 465 Fantasy Football Podcast alongside Mr. Alan Brown and Mr. William Burton. Uh, we talked about what's happening so far, what ha- what happened last year, what's going on this year, thought process behind the draft order, thought process with the keepers. Um, it's time now for to kind of talk about the season. Let's get what's what's happened to real football for a second. Kind of step out of fantasy. Let's get into real football. Um, some big news in the NFL. Obviously, uh, I'll, I'll, Alan, I'll let you talk more about this. How you feel like it impacts your team? Josh Gordon being reinstated just about a couple hours ago. Uh, how does how do you think that it positively or negatively affects the Patriots going forward?
3: I think that's huge. Uh, his uh, the his numbers from the games he played last year, and just I think um, somehow he's somebody that Brady trusts a lot. So I think that's huge with Gronk gone. Um, basically, there's somebody else out there that. Brady is super familiar. That's me running downfield outside of Edelman. Um, so I think that's pretty huge for the Patriots. Uh, bad news for the rest of the league, and awesome news again for the Patriots.
0: Definitely. Uh, just I was actually having this conversation with somebody today. Uh, you, you know, the Patriots are, are never dead. They always, even when that media starts spiraling out of control, they have that one bad game and uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere like Tennessee where the, the world is falling apart and they're done and Tom Brady's too old and they're consistently in it year after year. And I think it starts from the top down. You don't, you don't hear a lot of that bullshit coming out of different franchises and that bullshit I'm referring to is with the likes of Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. BJ, I'll let you talk more about this one, but um, two guys, two huge names potentially sitting out without a contract. How does that affect um, you know, the outlook for them in general? And then, you know, let's tie this back into fantasy. How does that affect their outlook in fantasy?
2: Well, before I go into that, I just want to say one quick comment about Josh Gordon. I'm just really happy for the Patriots that they finally caught a break after a lot of years of, you know, not catching those breaks. So I'm really happy for them. But just uh, going into Melvin Gordon and Zeke, like you said, I think for both teams, it's a big deal. Um, Even just on the NFL side, uh, the the real life side, um, starting with – Cowboys, I mean, that offense runs through Zeke. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple to see. Dak, Pro, Dak Prescott's been league for three years. First year, Zeke there all year, rushing champ, playoffs. Second year, Zeke has all those suspensions. Um, you know, is he playing? Is he not playing? They did not make the playoffs. Last year, Zeke's back, rushing champ, playoffs. I think it goes no further than that. When Zeke's there, he makes everybody better. The offense runs through him. And the Cowboys are a legitimate threat, I think, when Zeke's in the lineup. Um, On on the Chargers side, I think Chargers are one of, if not the biggest competition to the Patriots. And I think Melvin Gordon's one of the best dual threat running backs in the league, whether it be catching the ball out of the backfield or running between the tackles. And Phillip Rivers loves those checkdowns just as much as Eli Manning does. Um, so when he's not there, I, I mean, is Austin Eckler going to be able to, to carry the load like Melvin Gordon does? I don't think so. So I think that this really hurts both teams pretty bad. And I think you'll probably see both guys in the lineup week one, just because of how important they both are to their respective
0: teams. Brown, um, do you think Zeke has the, any ground to stand on here for that contract extension? Obviously he's a difference maker, but with all the issues he's already he's already brought on to himself, uh, the, the suspensions for the whatever, I don't even remember all of it, the abuse, the whatever he's gotten, basically hasn't been there. There's always something tied to him. And he's still got, I believe, two years on his contract. I could be wrong on that. Um, but is, is he really putting himself in a position to do that? Uh, and is off, is his on-the-field body of work outweigh his off-the-field antics?
3: I think it would be a lot easier to give him that contract if there was none of the off the field stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of the the bummer for him, um, but I do see where he's coming from. The running back, you know, shelf life in the NFL is so short that if you're a first round draft pick and you have a five year rookie contract, um, that's usually you know enough enough run for most running backs, and that's kind of their prime. So it's just really tough. Um, I I'm kind of between the two of them a much, much bigger Zeke fan. I think Melvin Gordon is uh, a good fantasy asset, but when I watch football on Sunday, he just doesn't strike me as the same kind of runner as somebody like Zeke does. Uh, I feel like he just kind of, maybe it's his hair or whatever it is, but he's like falling, like doesn't feel like he runs as strong. So I would be much, if, you know, if I was a fan of either of those teams, I would much rather pay or much, I'd be much happier with my team paying someone like Zeke than, uh, than, Melvin Gordon. And uh, if I, and the Cowboys, I think out of Amari, Dak, and Zeke, um, I think Amari is the lowest priority. I think that, you know, he's less proven than the other two. I think that Dak is at least a good enough um, game manager and has gone through enough stuff and gone to the playoffs a few times where, uh, you know, it's going to be harder to replace him and it's going to be harder to replace Zeke than it is going to be to find somebody that can do what Amari Cooper can do. So I would pay Amari, or I wouldn't pay Amari. I'd pay Dak and I'd pay Zeke.
0: Uh, I don't uh, see. The thing is, I feel like I, all the points you said were correct. I think they, but I, I think they got to find a way to pay all of them. And I think uh, part of me, part of my take made that joke this morning. Um, basically, just put all the money in a pile and tell them to figure it out themselves. Um, Mark, I feel like that Cowboys team really took off with the addition of Mari Cooper. I mean, at that point, their wide receiver ones were the likes of uh, you know Michael Gallup. A failed experiment in Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley. He's just not really and then Amari Cooper obviously always had the talent, first round talent, finally gets out of Oakland and he kind of blows up onto the scene. So I think they have to find a way to either keep all of them and but like you said but like you said, Amari Cooper is definitely the most replaceable in the sense of um, you know, breakout wide receivers are a diamond dozen in the NFL, but finding that good well, franchise quarterback, look at the Browns for all this time and, you know, uh, once-in-the-generation type runner, you definitely got to lock those guys up first. But speaking of running backs and lockouts and why this all this kind of trend is continuing and happening, BJ, um, your Jets made a move this offseason, a pretty significant one, bringing on Le'Veon Bell, (laughs) motherfuckers, off the street and into New York. Uh, How do you feel like that dynamic is going to improve the Jets? And do you think the holdout is ultimately worth it for Le'Veon Bell? Obviously, he gets paid but he's also been out of the league for a year. So is is there, you know, does that add any bit of nervousness to bringing him on or are you just psyched that he's there? No. Uh, well, number one, I'm psyched that he's there. I mean, just in my
2: lifetime, the Jets have never had a guy as good as Le'Veon Bell when he's on his game. Yeah. They had, you know, Curtis Martin back in the day, you know, there's some, some good wide receivers they, when they brought in San Antonio Holmes, or Plaxico burst, but all these guys they brought in when they were past their prime. Le'Veon Bell is still, what, tw- 26, 27 years old. He's a stud when he's on the field. And I actually take the opposite point of view when it comes to the year off. I actually love it because he's going to be coming in fresh. He didn't take a single hit last year. He didn't He, he didn't have to run through any holes, catch any balls. Didn't take he take a hit, so. He, he, that's, yeah, if you want to call what he did, hits. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he, he's fresh. He's fresh. And you know, I was reading reports say that he's probably not even going to play in the preseason because they're just saving him for those games. And, you know, he's in f- tremendous physical shape. He ran his conditioning test twice just for fun. So he's, he's ready to go. I mean, and it's only going to help slamming Sammy Darnold. Sam Darnold's already led two touchdown drives and three drives that he's had. He looks fresh. He's just going to be dropping that drop down off to him. It's going to be yak 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 ppr 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 and um, i'm expecting big things from not only sam but Levion it's just going to help the entire offense
0: so bj let me let me follow up with that with with uh two questions um so levy bell not playing the whole year doesn't scare you but obviously we saw what happened to des bryant last year when he went to the saints first practice uh i forgot what injury it was but done for the year just like that because he had not played in x amount of time now you multiply that out three or four times that's what we're getting in levy bell and two uh you mentioned sam darnold do you feel like he might be you know alan like second year quarterbacks who take the leap do you do you feel like he could be that guy who takes the leap this year well i'll go first with levy
2: i think i'm not worried i said i'm not worried because i've I've already been down to to uh, training camp already. Right. I've seen him live and in person. He looks good. He looks fresh. He looks big. He didn't look like he put on more muscle. He looks like he kept himself in shape, even with the year off. I mean, he, he he probably enjoyed some 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 brews and some some lady friends, but he looks like he's fresh. He looks like he's ready to go. And he he w- he was taking all his carries, all his hits when he was in Pittsburgh, and he still stayed healthy for the most part. He had one year where he hurt his knee, but. He's ready to go, so I'm not worried about him at all. On the topic of Sam Darnold, I really think he's the guy. He's a stud, and I hope he has that same type of second-year success that Patty Mahomes and Carson Wentz did because he's got the look, he's got the arm, and if he does, I'm in for a lot of good things in the
3: next coming years. Gee, if you don't mind, I want to jump in here. Yeah, Alan, go ahead.
0: I know I I didn't mean to – I heard you like last second, so I was going to come back
3: to you. So on the topic of the Jets, normally it's uh it's very easy for me just to hate on the New York teams. But I think because of fantasy and because of just enjoying watching football in general, um, I kind of like what the Jets are doing, to be honest with you. And I think it's crazy that there's not more just constant what the fuck happened, um, kind of comparing the fact that the Giants took Saquon and not Darnold. And I think over the next like – you know, ten to twenty years, that's gonna be a huge deal. And they'll probably make a thirty for thirty about that that one pick alone. Um and I think that Darnold probably is the guy going forward and I would you know, I would if if I had to choose between the two teams situation in that draft pick, I think the Jets made a, a much better or came out much better with that. Um and then going with the Le'Veon thing too, I think that uh it's easy to think of Le'Veon as like a shifty guy, um, but I remember two years back when he actually was playing, there was a video of him on the uh, on the field at the Pro Bowl. You know, none of the Patriots guys were there because they are in the Super Bowl again, but there was like, you know, Gurley and like Le'Veon and a couple other, like Melvin Gordon's there, a couple other running backs, like all standing around, like just kind of like shooting the shit and when, and they didn't have pads or anything. And Le'Veon was like the biggest guy out of all of them. And so I think people forget that uh, he is like a pretty big, like savage motherfucker. So I think the Jets are gonna be pretty good this coming year. It,
2: gee, if you don't mind me, just jumping in for for two more points, if you don't mind. No, please do. But first thing, real quick on what, what Alan said of why there's not more. You know what the hell is going on? Why the Giants took Saquon over over Darnold? And and just so you guys know, I know you're not you don't listen to much New York sports talk radio, but that's all the time. It's it's okay. They've always been compared to each other. Of and even giant, there's some big radio hosts on here that are Giants fans that are like, Saquon's great. Saquon's probably going to be the best overall player for the next you know five six years. But that's it. Sam Darnold looks like he's got the makeup to bring Super Bowls to to the Jets, not just you know rushing titles because nobody's really won a Super Bowl off their running back. They run off the quarterback and having a guy like Eli Manning who, yes, he's brought, you know, great things to the giants, but I think everybody could see is towards the tail end of his career and they had it perfectly set up to take Sam Darnold, let him sit for two years and boom, he would have been ready to go, but they made the decision for Saquon and they've, they've been compared and back and forth many times here. And then just on the the topic of Le'Veon, Alan said it right at the end of you know how big he was and people forget about him. I don't know if you, you actually saw the quote that he had, I think, a week or so back. He compared himself to LeBron, not in a sense of, you know, you know, I'm the best, blah, 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 blah. But he said, people are forgetting about me, just like LeBron was forgotten about in these playoffs. It was the first time in a while that LeBron wasn't in the playoffs. And now everybody's talking about, oh, Durant's the best, oh, Kawhi's the best, because LeBron was out of sight, out of mind. When Le'Veon was on the field, there was no other running back you'd probably want on your team in real life, or in fantasy, than Le'Veon. But being out a year, people forget how good he really is. So now coming back with a year fresh, uh, you know,
0: re- year fresher,
2: I think people are going to remind, be reminded of how damn good Le'Veon Bell actually is.
0: Yeah, I think. I think that obviously it's what, this I mean, it's the way of the world. It's what have you, what have you done for me recently? And we haven't seen him in a while. And that's why I think, you know, guys like Kareem Hunt are going to go way too early in this draft because you've seen what he could do, but it's what, what have you done for me lately? And I think sometimes that over, overbears on what, you know, the actual facts are and the facts are Kareem Hunt's going to be out eight weeks. Maybe you don't, and he's project, he's going in the eighth round of drafts and, then you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Yes, he's going in the first round, but he's, he's, if he plays last year, he's easily you know, a top three pick. Now we're talking about him at the end of the first round. Uh, I also wanted to talk about uh, – let's see here. So let's let's get into um, a couple more guys like that. I will, hold on. Let me, let me just backtrack for a second. Uh, the Saquon versus Darnold debate, I think the Giants were going for it. Uh, if you told me a year ago Odell Beckham wasn't going to be on the team i would i would have said okay and like we were really just you know sailing it in i would say all right picking saquon here makes no sense but at a time where we had saquon odell and you know for what it's worth eli manning at the, at the least he can get the ball to odell when he needs to it, you know it made you think you had a chance we still didn't have no line then this offseason starts and the first thing we do is start building up the offensive line you're like okay we're gonna get eli some protection we're gonna give saquon some room to run and then we're gonna have odell there so it's gonna be you know, it's, it's going to be OK. Defense is bad, but, you know, we'll there's some hope there. There's some life there. But all of a sudden you trade Odell. You have this good offensive line. You draft Daniel Jones, who already looks better than Eli Manning. He played again tonight and he looks he looks good again. So we're in the middle of a complete rebuild. But if we still got to build up the defense, we still don't know what we have in Daniel Jones. And right now, all we have is Saquon. I mean, he unfortunately, and I'm a Giants fan and it sucks to say I, that I think we're going to waste his career.
3: True.
0: So uh that being said, what's what's uh I'm trying to think of some other big names that made moves this offseason. Uh Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. Uh any any moves, any players moving to different locations that sticks out to you? I can't think of any personally right off the top of my head. Uh um, I mean
3: Odell yeah. and the Browns, I think, is a yeah, interesting topic. i
0: Literally just talking about
3: Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Um OK, so let's talk about the Browns. Browns got a Browns got a huge offense here. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, David Njoku, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. And then, you know, as much as I just shit on Kareem Hunt, the return of Kareem Hunt, if he's, you know, anything to what he was in Kansas City. The Browns all of a sudden are a serious team. Their defense is good. They made a couple trades with the Giants, so they got Olivier Vernon from the Giants as well. Solid, solidify that defensive line. Brown, we'll start with you here because they're the Browns. Uh, what do you think about the Cleveland Browns going into 2019?
3: The Browns are definitely a team where, if it's like if it's Thursday at like noon, you're like, all right, who's playing on Thursday night tonight? And you're like, oh, it's the Browns and Steelers, or like the Browns and whoever. You're gonna be pumped if they're in any primetime game. I think they're just gonna be fun to watch because of all those guys. I, if we went on the on the line, I think I would bet the under on their over under wins. If it's like you know, I think nine wins would be a good season for them. I think part of the problem is Baker is a second-year guy. Although we've been talking about how second-year quarterbacks have done pretty well, um, I think what may hold them back overall is their uh, is their coaching, though. So, if it was that roster with a, an NFL coach who's done this a bunch of times, I would be a lot higher on them. But I think it's going to be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with two more moves, I know we talked Levy on and those the big names. number one. Um, Frank Clark, I know that was a trade. Frank Clark went from Seahawks to the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chiefs are going for it now. I mean, they were a pretty crappy offsides penalty away from being in the Super Bowl last year. You know, they picked, they picked off Brady at the end of the fourth quarter. before it went off offsides. But they, Frank Clark, if he lead last year, he was pretty damn close whatever. But, I mean, the, the key to beating the Patriots is getting, the, getting pressure on Tom Brady. And the Chiefs made a couple of nice... Um, defensive moves this year. They also picked up Tyron Matthew, honey badger. So they, they solidified the front end with Frank Clark and the back end with Tyron Matthew. And in doing so, I think that they really see that, look, we have the offense. Now we need to make our defense a little better, and that'll get us the promise line. So I think both of those moves, like that move. And then the other move that I think we're forgetting, that I went with a little more under the radar one. I think the other big move we're missing is uh, afterburners, AB. Number 84, bad feet and Brown to the Raiders. I mean, Derek Carr is going to toss it up to him all day long. And, uh, I mean, again, you forget, Tony Brown's pretty damn good. I mean, yeah, he had Ben Roethlisberger thrown to him for all these years. But when he's out there
0: showing his stuff, he's probably the best receiver, pound for pound in the league. Yeah, 100%. And Tony Brown's definitely that guy. I do think he takes he's going to take a dip in fantasy this year. And that doesn't necessarily mean his production. It means uh, I think people are going to be uh, shy away from him a little bit. I think he's going to fall quite a bit and he's going to have a lot to prove uh just two more moves I wanted to hit on I, uh Blake Bortles going to the LA Rams probably the biggest move of the offseason uh back up to Jared Goff uh, obviously and you know I'm kidding but if, truthfully if, if anything happened to Jared Goff Blake Bortles has been historically better at playing in offenses that play off the running back have a little play action and so I think Blake Bortles there can really succeed that being said leading me to Nick Foles and Jack and Jacksonville I think Nick Foles is uh A quarterback. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's uh, and that's you know, nothing, no, nothing. Not taking that away from him, but I don't think his presence in Jacksonville actually makes the Jaguars any better. And uh, I I was wondering if you guys agree with uh, Nick Foles' take at all,
2: Brown.
3: I mean, it can't hurt. I think they'll be a little bit better with him.
2: I think that I think that team lives and dies by their defense. It did when Blake Bortles was the quarterback. I mean, Blake Bortles was like eight minutes away from beating the Patriots in Foxborough um, two years ago. So that defense took a big step back last year. Um, they were dominant two years ago, and you know they only added more firepower with with Josh Allen, who I thought that the Giants should have taken instead of Daniel Jones. I think that would have been a, a much better pick for them. But now they have more pass rush. And that defense is looking like it's going to be looking at the chops again, and probably be a top end defense. So it can't hurt to have Nick uh, Nick Foles back there, but that team lives and dies by the defense.
0: Yeah, they they got a, they got a good line, they got a good D, they got uh, a good running back if he could stay healthy. There, uh, Brown knows all about Mister Leonard Fournette. Wait uh, who? Well. Exactly. So um, <clears throat> that I mean they. That, I think BJ hit it on the head. If their defense can be better than a, or return to what they were two years ago, then really anything could happen. It doesn't really matter who they have back there. Uh, so let's 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 wrap up the NFL stuff here. Let's just give a uh, quick predictions: AFC, NFC champion, who plays in the Super Bowl, who wins, and why. But like one sense is why. Who's their biggest X factor, so to speak? So uh alan we'll start with you here uh afc nfc champion who wins and why
3: uh chiefs at patriots this year no no way it's going to be patriots at chiefs again and i think that bill and brady find a way to win that game uh less less scoring than last time um Something with the defense, and I think that the Patriots uh, run the ball and like take out Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill is probably suspended at that point because he beat up his kid again. And at that point, they're a little bit more one-dimensional. Um, so Patriots beat the Chiefs again in Kansas City. Um, and then on the NFC side, the NFC, I think, I was just looking at this, there's a lot of teams that seem like they're pretty strong. Um, I think it's going to be a couple of teams that uh, – were big like a couple years back that we kind of forgot about, but aren't really that much worse. Um, maybe like Falcon. I'm kind of thinking like Falcons are in there. Um, maybe the Vikings again. Um, I think the Eagles are likely to be back in there. So I think maybe it's going to be Vikings over the no Kirk Cousins. I think it's going to be Falcons over the the Eagles, and then we have the Patriots Falcons rematch.
0: Then who wins that rematch?
3: I mean, why
0: do you even ask dumb <laughs> questions like that? Uh, you're such a homer. BJ, ref- hit me with some refreshing stuff. At least we have teams that don't uh, win.
2: Yeah, yeah right. right. I and mean, I'm used to it by now. Uh, I actually agree with Alan on, on the AFC side. I think it's going to be a rematch of uh, Patriots at Chiefs. But uh, going back to what I said before about the improvements that the Chiefs have made on defense, I think will make all the difference. I think they'll be able to stymie Brady late. Uh, he'll have the ball in his hands late, um, and I think that they'll stop him. Um, so I think the Chiefs are finally going to get over that hump and be in the Super Bowl. Actually, uh, I'm I'm very high on one team. I'll save it in the NFC um, for my second team, but I think you're going to you're going to see the the Rams back in there um, in the NFC side. But I think they're going to be beaten this year by the Chicago Bears. I'm really high on the Bears this year. I think another year for Mitch Trubisky. That defense is still going to be stacked with Khalil Mack coming off the corner. They'll probably be a top two, three defense in the league. It's going to carry them, and Cody Park, he's not going to miss a field goal like he did last year. And I think that uh, the Chicago Bears are going to face the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl, and I think this is the year that uh, Patty Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the child beater Tyreek Hill uh, do it, and I think they're going to get their first Super Bowl title. And I think that's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I'm going to say like 30 to – 34-31 or something like that with a a butker kick to
0: to win it late in the game that would be that would be quite the matchup um i I love i'm also with you on the bears i I do like them to uh progress i I don't think i don't think super bowl is in their in the future for this year maybe a year or two away still uh, one more year because that defense needs to stick together um so on the afc side of things it's hard to Pick against the Patriots, but it was just, I'm not necessarily sure how this hypothetical works out, but I'm going to go Chiefs and Chargers in the AFC Championship game. And I'm going to, depending on where that game is, it's probably in Kansas City. Uh, and I'm going to give it to the Chargers. Um, I think the Chargers have a better defense and I think they can keep up on offense. So uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. I, I think. That they have a lot of firepower I, obviously they have some stuff to work through melvin gordon they lost their safety today derwin james for at least a month um but i'm gonna go with the chargers go chargers go and um and the nfc side of things as much as it pains me to say it uh um, as as high as you are on the bears this year bj i think i am i'm with philadelphia and i think uh carson wentz stays healthy that team is going to be really good again um good receivers uh, a lot of options at running back and, and a pretty solid defense uh I think Carson Wentz has a bat bounce back year, another year removed from a torn ACL and we could be talking about two MVPs there uh and Carson Wentz and uh I don't think Phillip Rivers wins it but uh I would say Carson Wentz and obviously Patrick Mahomes could easily take home the MVP once again so I'm gonna go Eagles Ch- uh, Chargers Super Bowl and uh I'm gonna pander to Gabe here a little bit and I think I, I think if that's the case. The Chargers win it. Phillip Rivers uh, gets his ring.
3: I was gonna, I was gonna call you out on the pandering there. Thank you.
0: <laughs> listen, I, I, if, if, I'm not even sure if Gabe's gonna listen to this, but I, I really, and I think it's because of him I even pay attention to the Chargers. I have any idea what's going on with the Chargers, so. Uh, can now too uh same thing he likes the raptors so i paid extra attention to the raptors and he finally got his nba championship this year it must be nice because you know i'm a knicks fan and uh i'm not getting that championship anytime soon but
2: gis have one request for you uh and post edit can you please put on Schwarzenegger saying go charges go and when when you say that you like the charges
0: yeah no I, that's why i said it so i can i can replace myself with Arnold schwarzenegger wonderful thank yeah. you. yeah and now go charges goal and now, go Chargers, go! All right. So that's uh, that's the NFL. Let's let's have a little fun here. Let's let's take a step back from football. Um, I know Alan didn't really have a lot of time to prepare for this, so we're gonna add in his stuff after BJ. I have your stuff lined up. We're doing the top uh, top three uh, best sports calls. And it, I would say all time, but I, I, will say straight up, I omitted a lot of stuff that I would normally pick. Like I, I just kept the Yankees out of it. Uh, well, not completely out of it. I kept like all those, um, you know, Derek Cheater's last hit or Derek Cheater 3000. Those are just for me, those are a little too obvious. So just know that if, if, if this was for real, I mean, Derek Cheater would probably take up all three of them. But this is not how I want to do it now. So BJ, I'm gonna let you start off here. Uh, if you want to introduce your number one, I'll cue it up. And I, I really don't know which one you're going to show first, but I'll have it ready here for you. Yeah, I think uh, for my first one,
2: I'm um, going old school. You um, Got to give love to the surging Mets right now. Um, the last time that, uh, besides 2015 when they lost in the World Series, the last time they had some real success was back in 1986, a little before all our time. But I think uh, for anybody that knows baseball, they know at this point what I'm talking about. And it's uh, actually, I believe, the great Vin Scully, um, the Los Angeles Dodgers old play-by-play announcer who was calling the World Series back then, uh, the Mookie Wilson ground ball going between the legs of Bill Buckner.
6: picture is worth a thousand words you have seen about a million words
0: but more than that if one picture picture is worth a thousand words you've seen about a million words the words of the great Vince scully rest in peace to bill buckner uh just lost him not too long ago 1986 world series the last time the mets won it uh alan why don't you uh line up your first one here and obviously uh i'll make a note to add it in in post
3: uh so one that i uh remembers the David Ortiz walk-off in the 2004, uh, ALCS. And just the, uh, the best part about that is when he's like, we'll see you later tonight because they were, you know, it was the game had already gone so late because all those games back in the days took like eight hours to play. Um, but that was, I think game five and, and they were, uh, they were back there, you know, for another seven o'clock start. So,
0: yeah, see, I, I just looked that video up, and uh, unfortunately it doesn't exist, so I'm not going to be able to put that yeah, audio up. Weird. Hmm, weird.
6: Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Game six tomorrow night.
0: all right well, for me um i'm gonna start this off with let's see huh. i was i was gonna try to avoid it i think i thought i was gonna add it in later but if we're having this conversation it's for me it starts and really ends with this one but uh we'll play it anyway it's a great great legendary mike breen the one that started it all really the one that started the the trend the bang the the puts it in the the apparently never said together words um Thanks, Jay, for that. I appreciate it. Um, but you know which one it is. Let's play it. Let's hear it. Uh...
6: Should the Spurs foul? Should Miami go for the three right away? Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound, Bosh. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. But the officials are going to review to see if
0: Alan was behind the line. Rebound Bosch Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang. I, I got to tell you what. Jay really fucked me up. Uh, if, you, if you haven't heard yet, Jay actually, actually had this conversation, uh, and he found out that bang and puts it in have never been in the same sentence. But every time we say it, it's always bang, puts it in. And uh, apparently it never happened. Uh, I'm really fucked up about it. I actually went through the highlights when he told me that I spent probably about an hour going through Mike Breen highlights and, um, didn't exist. Bang and puts it in, have not been said in the same sentence. Um, very upsetting, very heartbreaking. I'm, I'm, it's only one thing that I can chalk it up to. And I talked to Jay about this the other day. It's called the Mandela effect. So. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Mandela effect, but essentially people thought Nelson Mandela died. A lot of people, mass hysteria, mass amounts of people have the same memory of Nelson Mandela dying in like the 70s or 80s or some shit. But he just recently died not too long ago. and But a mass amount of people had that um, had that memory of him dying. So they, they say it's an alternate universe, like there's a blip in our lifetime that changes the course of history. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me, because to me, bang and puts it in, have always been together, always been one sentence. And um, it's just heartbreaking to know that uh, history, or the universe really just fucked us over like that and took away that national treasure away from us, you know?
2: Listen, it'll always be bang, puts it in for me. I don't care if he's never said it. Mike Breen says, bang, puts it in. Leave it Bye. at that.
0: Leave it at that.
2: Uh,
0: PJ, why don't you queue up the second one here?
2: Um, This one, I'm going to pay a little homage. I I, I would expect, actually, you guys are probably expecting this to come from G, but uh, I got to go with another Mets highlight here. Um, The great Gary Cohen, the current play-by-play announcer for the New York Mets with probably one of the most improbable home runs in Major League history, the great Bart Tolo, Cologne, home run, San Diego Padres. Couldn't believe it when I saw it. Still can't believe it when I see it now. Big Bart home run.
6: Cologne
5: looking for his first hit of the year. Oh, he
6: drives one deep left field. That goes up to back near the wall. It's out of here! Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened.
0: That, that is personally one of my favorite calls of all time because of what he said right there. The impossible has happened. I remember winning that champion fantasy championship a couple years ago, and that being the first thing I posted on our Instagram because uh, the impossible had finally happened. Great second pick there, BJ. Allen, uh, what's the second pick for you?
3: So I was going to say this one for third because it's the best, but I think, BJ, are you going with the same – are you going with the same third that we talked about before?
2: Yeah, I, I, that's that's the greatest call of all time. So you got to leave that one for last.
3: Okay, so I had the same one. And since it's not a draft, I'm going to leave that. Um, my number two, and this is going to piss about half the league or more, more than half the league off. Uh, but you know, everybody remembers where they where they were when this call went down. Um, and this is, uh, you know, a few minutes into overtime of you know Super Bowl Fifty One. And I think it's Tony Romo is just like hand off to white. And then there's a long pause as he like struggles to reach the goal line. And then obviously gets in and uh, he's like, Brady has his fifth. And, you know, everybody went crazy. It was like the greatest comeback ever. Um, So that's my, my number two, you know, best call of all time.
0: Well, uh, I would have to put an asterisk on that one. Uh, We're going to enter that here. But uh, one, it was, it
3: was Joe Joe Buck. Buck two i'm sorry
0: i'm sorry first, two, I'm, I'm, well, I'm gonna call you out mainly because you didn't even listen to it in english in real time You <laughs> listened to it in spanish and i was actually i swear to you i was actually looking up that i was looking for it uh, before the show because it's one of my even though i'm not a patriots fan it's still one of my favorite calls ever because it's just like touchdown james white so
3: i've i've watched it so many times on replay and then basically that whole second half just on the regular broadcast over and over that uh I think that one is embedded in my brain. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think I was I was so hyped up when it really went down that I I wasn't hearing anything. I was just uh, screaming. Shout
0: out to his, yes.
3: And then I gave you that's a kiss. That's next,
0: uh, BJ. <laughs> if I told you um, a significant other and myself were in the room at the same time and he kissed me first, uh, would you believe it? Uh, I believe it. That's well. That's exactly what happened. So I'm glad. You do believe it. So we'll enter that audio there. James White, Tom Brady winning his fifth. Number two for me, and I, I like I said in the beginning, this is not really – It's I wouldn't label these the greatest of all time, the ones that made me feel. There's a lot of omissions here that we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, the second one I'm going to bring, uh, magical 2017 Yankee season, a uh, year where we weren't supposed to be there. Down two games to nothing in the ALDS against the Cleveland Indians. It's like the bottom of the seventh or the bottom of the eighth inning. Greg Bird up the bat. Matt Baskersian on the mic
6: been some good at-bats already in this series off of Andrew Miller. Swing and a drive to
4: right! And that one's gone!
0: Just listen to that crowd roar. So simple, so clean. Just let the moment happen. And, um, for for me uh yankeeography was still growing at the time that was easily one of the best nights we had and um actually later we we uh yankeeography had posted a video of that same thing but with titanic music cuz everything sounds better with titanic music so that home run call times titanic music one of the those things that still gives gives me chills to these days So, uh, BJ, Alan, I'll I'll let you guys work together to cue this last one up, but you have the same last one. It's a long clip, so it'll be about uh, probably two or three minutes after you guys cue it up. And uh, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce that now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll start off and let Alan kind of comment after. I just want to say one quick thing about your call there, G, is at that time, I think that was off Andrew Miller, correct? Yes. That home run? Andrew Miller was like the shutdown reliever at the time, so that's what made that – home run that much more uh, exciting than you you heard it in Joe Buck's voice because Andrew Miller was like lights out reliever at the time. But that's beyond the point. Just the Yankees, again, coming out of clutch and winning. But for the last uh, call, Alan and I definitely agreed on this one. Um, For me, it's the call in the history of history. Uh, It's probably the one moment in sports that I wish I was alive for and was able to see. Um, it's also from my favorite movie of all time. Um, I, if you don't know it yet, I'll turn over to Alan to kind of put his bow on it. But, uh, I just love this call and it's, it's amazing.
3: Uh, I agree that that's a good point. If there was one kind of sporting event that I wish I could have been at, it would be this one. Um, whether it's the movie, whether it's just watching the clip on YouTube, um, the whole kind of the, the weight behind it, everything gives you chills. Um, Basically everything that uh, you know I love in life got good hockey, and then you also got like you know the U.S. kind of dominating and and that kind of thing. Um, you know, very patriotic feeling. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I think we should let the clip roll and uh, and let everybody enjoy this together.
2: Yeah, I I think I think Greg Payne was rooting for the Soviets in in this clip. <laughs> Greg,
3: yeah, Greg. Greg was a big USSR <laughs> guy, but yeah, big. Tret- uh, I was thinking of what, I don't like those college kids, man. Yeah,
2: b- big Tretiak fan. Big Tretiak fan. Yeah. Now
3: Petrov controls.
4: <laughs> control. Back to Parlamov. Skating in on the left side. Into the American end. 55 seconds. But Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in. Out in front. Backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov back out to Bill Yelentinov. 43 seconds remaining. Maro check into the boards it comes back to center ice. 38 37 seconds left in the game petrov with it the americans on top four to three long shot craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away 28 seconds the crowd going insane carlomo shooting it into the american end again morrow is back there now johnson 19 seconds johnson over to Ramsey you let the knob get checked by Ramsey? McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to goal. Five seconds left in the game. you believe in miracles? Yes.
0: Once again, that moment just really happening. You know, being able to hear the crowd really takes that to another level. Uh, if you guys want to make one more point about that, uh, go ahead now.
3: I just uh, I just yeah. followed it along on YouTube, and that's just, it's just electric.
0: It chills. It's
2: chills. And, and, and Alan kind of talked before about Darnold and Barkley about a 30 for 30, uh, a lesser known 30 for 30. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it before, but there was actually a 30 for 30 on the Soviet team and their perspective of the game. Because, you know, the Miracle on Ice Miracle movie is all about the United States and how they came to fruition and how they train and all that. But there was a a great 30 for 30, I think it was called Of Miracles and Men was the name of the 30 for 30. And it was strictly about the Soviets and how their hockey program started and culminated in the Miracle on Ice game and what a big deal that was for them and how pretty much butthurt it made the Soviet Union and how they changed their entire hockey program based off of that one game alone.
3: What uh, what was their spin zone? What did they change?
2: Well, basically, it, it actually changed the – before that, they weren't able to – the Soviet players were not able to enter the, the NHL. Mm-hmm. And the first player to ever enter the NHL from Soviet Russia – was on that team and he actually boycotted the next Olympics because of it. So they had to change their entire program and allowed their players to leave the Soviet team because the Soviet team basically was like almost a cult. You couldn't, they lived away from their families for like 11 months out of the year. And, and it was, it was a true, the team was their family. They didn't do anything besides hockey 24 7, 365. Oh, that's hmm.
3: Well, the, that was talking, talking right. hockey rich tra-
2: a ra- a that's the know. type of that's the type of talk you get from pillow talk room b you don't get this when you know Miog and greg or jim are on the call they just no. curse we what talk about room shit.
3: a is miyag's oh, jerking off and whipping baby. it out for the rest of the boys when they walk in room b room b talks yes. serious events like this uh, we talk
0: puck it's four years to even admit that you had Pillow <laughs> talk so uh all right so there's one more left um uh like i said i have a and i've talked about this with a lot of people i have a certain appreciation for broadcasters so it's more for me it's more about capturing the moment appropriately and kind of how it affects other people i know so uh, i got one more here and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lead into it because somebody's gonna turn off the podcast after they hear this anyway so um we'll just jump right into it
6: To give for Houston, nine tenths left. A three
1: wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Going good, and the Blazers win the series for the first
6: time in fourteen years.
0: All right. Well, that was a legendary voice of uh, Mike Tirico, Damian Lillard ending the rockets a few years back uh the reason i bring that up is uh well now that g pain's not listening anymore we can talk shit about how bad he is a fantasy um one again the moment two um the crowd and three uh the call so really all a lot of things going on there and obviously the fact that this is really gonna piss g pain off uh was good enough reason for me to put this on here really ice cold and what i what i think i love most about the call and the sound is you just heard the swish happen when he took the shot i don't know if you guys caught that too and went Phew! and uh for that and, and damian lillard uh, Dill, uh, damian lillard just did that again uh and he ended okc uh completely because that team just blew up after he did it so um for me uh damian lillard beating the rockets a three wins a series bang and what was even funnier about that moment is I, I have it on Vine. I, I rest in peace to Vine. But I had the moment uh, not too long before Chandler Parsons tied the game, G going nuts. And then we were watching, I think on a stream. So we were a little bit behind, and he got a text. He's like, well, what What is Reg talking about? And he's like, We lost. And like he knew already, but he didn't see it happen yet. So like watching that. <laughs> uh this is so fucked up just watching that moment from he because he went nuts when Chandler Parsons side the game so when Damian Lillard dropped the three to end him was just the roller coaster of events I didn't think I was going to hear from him for a week uh, we ended up doing something that night got his mind off of it but uh tough times for G-Pain um I know he's not listening anymore so I don't really need to apologize but Damian Lillard uh game on the line Mike Tirico uh I did want to talk about some of the ones we missed um for I, I'm not really missed because trust me me, me, me and BJ went back and forth on the, this for a while. So, and as much as I love broadcasters calls, obviously all the Yankees ones that I had previously brought up, the Derek Jeter 3000 uh, history with an exclamation point, Derek Jeter's walk off. Um, and then there's ones like the Minnesota miracle, um, Stephon Diggs, Joe Buck. I was going to mention that. Diggs, and um, touchdown. Yeah, so it's cool. – um, so those so those are some of the emissions. One one of the most more famous ones, at least among me, BJ, and Artie, is definitely uh, the that playoff run sophomore year, Matthew Pekka against Canisius, uh Second round of the playoffs, scores a natural hat trick. And one of them, John Butchergross, just goes nuts. And he's just like, holy shnikes, check out the mitts on Pekka. So I'm going to turn it back to you guys now. Uh, what are some of the ones that you uh, – if, if we weren't limited to three, which ones would you bring up?
2: Ooh, on the spot here, I think I'd have to go back another oldie with Vince uh, Scully calling, I think, the Kirk Gibson home run in Game 1 of the World Series. I think it was like 1988 where he goes, I cannot believe what I just saw. That's a classic. Um, oh, let's see. What else? Oh, um, David Tyree catch. I don't know if you mentioned that one. Super Bowl against the Pats. That's That's a classic as well
0: have i know i did i did download the the file i didn't bring it up and because that's that was one of my three it was i was just gonna do the whole thing david tyree catch is actually joe buck um joe buck is he's good at what he does but he doesn't he's not really great at creating the moment if, if that makes sense so that david Tyree catch was just like it's like eli manning stays on his feet and lobs it up tyree makes the catch like that's that's as exciting as it gets there the, the call that really stuck out to me that should have been here was when Eli actually threw the touchdown to Plaxico a couple of plays later it was like Manning lops it Burris alone touchdown New York but for me um Joe Buck has never been that exciting he's he's getting better now with football and I actually like him a lot because of uh part of my take but uh setting up the moment in baseball or setting up the moment uh you know 10-15 years ago I, I didn't think was he was that good at it
2: it's a fair assumption I, I'm, I'm down with that He's just on so many calls because, you know, he calls he calls the the, the top-tier football games. He calls Every, the top-tier baseball games. He's even now calling the U.S. Open on Fox for, for golf. He's called the last two U.S. Opens. Um, so he, he's around everything.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, Matsui hit a home run in the 2009 World Series. I was basically clinched it for the Yankees. And it's just like, oh, Matsui down the line. It was like down the line to right it's gone. I'm like, bro, this is game six of the world series. You need to fucking get hyped up.
2: I, I know, I know there's not many golf fans out there, but I mean, just this year, tiger woods winning the masters, uh, Jim Nance, uh, on the call for CBS that, 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 sent a chill down my spine. Cause I'm a big LT gray fan. And then the other, other one that pops into my head is, uh, I want to say it was three years ago, um, in the NCAA tournament when Villanova hit the game winning shot, uh, with uh, no time left i want to say that was jim nance as well anytime you have a national championship winning shot that ends it with no time remaining i mean th- that's electric and i think jim nance did a really good job of making that moment electric
0: brown
3: um I-, I would like to shout out a couple uh funny guys that just are funny in general sort of like the the mike breen style where even if it's not their best call, they're pretty entertaining when you tune in because they're pretty enthusiastic. But the uh, the Bruins nesson guy is just like the biggest homer you've ever you've ever listened to to the point where it's like actually funny even if you're not a Bruins fan um, to watch and just because he's out of his mind and he when they beat the Canadians one year in the playoffs he went on this huge rant about the uh, the Boston Tea Party and like thrown like the Canadians tea in the harbor and just like this crazy like long rant so that was pretty funny. Uh, and then I think back to like a lot of the uh, the early ESPN guys that were pretty funny. Um one of them that we used to say a lot in baseball was uh just if you if you hit a home run or you like you know were hitting it hard in the cage in uh in batting practice, just like yelling bartender Jack and uh and, and that kind of thing. So um not necessarily game moments. I thought the uh, the Joe Buck like Minnesota Miracle, that's one of the best videos, but um some of those other just the ESPN guys and like the Sports Center guys are good.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely a, a big fan when it comes to broadcasters. Uh, Hawk Carrollson in Chicago, you can put it on the board. Yes. Um, uh, even the Mets guy, I love when he goes, it's out of here. Pete Alonso hit that BJ. You can attest to this one. Pete Alonso hit that go ahead of home run last week. And he, he just like completely lost his voice while he was screaming. It's,
1: it's out of here. Oh it's out His voice
0: cracks all the time. It just makes it when, yeah, when so his voice cracks. I, I, I respect, uh, I respect good announcers, even, even, um, you know, Michael K., voice of the Yankees for a long time um the way he's able to capture a moment and uh Matt Baskersian I know we talked about him with the Greg Bird home run probably one of my favorites I don't like him as much now he's on ESPN but I think that's more of a product of the cast he has around him than than anyone else but uh I think you get the nail on the head i nothing I love better than like Stuart Scott saying yo this guy's cooler than the other side of the pillow stuff like that all those ESPN guys because that's when they were relevant and um oh and gus johnson uh i know i've talked i'm pretty positive i've talked about him on this podcast before i was actually listening to some of his calls while i was looking stuff up before that guy nobody puts their passion out there the way that guy does if you if you haven't listened to gus johnson and i apologize for not having a clip for you but he gets so into it he screams he did Madden one year probably 10 years ago now and uh but he he is the ultimate broadcaster he's uh got the voice he's got the enthusiasm I'm, I'm honestly surprised he doesn't get a little more national respect because um how good he actually is let's go ahead now that's we're going closing on an hour and a half so we'll uh we'll try to get things moving here um not too much left it's really just it's bold prediction time boys and the bold, after bold prediction we pretty much wrap it up so let's get some bold bold predictions let's go fantasy let's go real football and um you know, to be honest with you, what I really want to do is do that, and then let you guys just like talk for an hour, like you would in the past. Have a little pillow talk for for the fans, but um, so let's go bold prediction. Uh, let's go one on one. So let's start with uh, let's start with the NFL first, and then I because I, I really want some hot takes for the fantasy. So let's go NFL bold predictions.
3: Uh, Brown, we'll start with you. Um, BJ, you go first.
2: <laughs> okay, all uh, right. Uh, hey, Brown will no, start. With. <laughs> I think you are gonna. Uh, he he's taking the Belichick move and deferring to the second half. Uh, I I sure, I man. think uh, I am. I am gonna go a little ambiguous with my statement here, and you are gonna force me to say somebody specific. But I think you're to see a non quarterback win the MVP this year. Um, I can't even tell you the last time I remember that this happened. It might have been Adrian Peterson back on the Vikings years when he uh, I think he yes. came off of. Uh the ACL ran for like 2000 plus yards. It was a comeback play of the year and I think the MVP that year. I think you're gonna see a non-quarterback win the MVP this year. That's my bold prediction. Who is it? I knew you're gonna come with that. I I think I'm really high on Zeke if he signs, because I think that the Cowboys have a good offense. Dax coming into his own. Amari's out there. They still have, when all healthy, one of the best lines, if not one of, if not the best offensive line in the league. And when Zeke's healthy and running, he's tough to stop. Uh, I know Al mentioned it before that for his money, out of those guys that aren't signed, he would go for him first. And I happen to agree with that. So I think if Zeke is healthy and, and signed by week one, I'm expecting at least – 1,800, 1,900 yards out of him in an MVP season.
3: Brown? It's interesting. I like that, uh, I like that angle. Um,
0: I think in a quarterback-heavy league, though, to be honest, not, not obviously these are predictions. I think in a quarterback-heavy league, it's going to be a long time before we see a non-quarterback uh, MVP.
2: I mean, that's the thing, though. In order for one of these players to overcome a quarterback because of how quarterback-heavy the league is, um, you have to put up, you know, nineteen hundred. That's just rushing yards, nineteen hundred yards. I'm sure he's going to have at least three, four hundred receiving yards as well. So you have to actually blow it out of the water if you're not a quarterback. And that's just kind of the numbers I'm expecting Zeke to do in his fourth
0: year here. Hmm. That's a good take, Brown. You ready now, or what? Or do you need me to go?
3: Um. So yeah, you give me a time. I don't really have any bold predictions. Um, super bold. Hmm. Um. I think the hmm, doesn't sound very bold. I I don't know. I'm fading the Browns. I think the Browns are gonna be fun, but I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna significantly underperform their current expectations. So
0: I don't I don't disagree with you there. I think there's a lot of hype, but I do think um, I, I think the Steelers are gonna regress. I think I mean they're 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 a wide receiver cool. factory, so maybe not. They have a good O line, but uh,
3: Look, I think the Steelers are gonna make the playoffs, like no cool. problem.
0: But then do you think the Ravens make the playoffs no problem?
3: No, I think the Ravens have a lot tougher battle. Like, I think that division is still the Steelers. And if anything, it's, like, going to – it's going to allow them to get back to, like, a different style of football and, like, kind of quiet the building down and, like, have like a little chip on their shoulder. I think the, I think the Ravens are probably going to surprise some teams. And then if the tape gets out and they're not able to figure out how to adapt, then that's a uh, – you know, an uphill battle. And I think the Browns are just going to not quite like have it underneath them this year uh, with like Freddie Kitchens and Baker still pretty young and that kind of thing.
2: Happen to agree with Alan there. I know a lot of people are on the, the Browns bandwagon, but I mean, they have the talent, but there's a certain line of this town has to kind of gel together. They have a ton of egos on our team. Jarvis Landry. I know we all saw with hard knocks last year. Nobody loves Jarvis Landry more than Jarvis Landry. Odell I mean we all know what a diva he is Baker's got his ego too so it it takes a lot to put all those guys together under one roof and uh honestly I don't think there's gonna be enough balls to go around it's gonna be like the the Rockets this year with with Harden and Westbrook um so I'm expecting not as good of a season as people are expecting with the Browns
0: yeah so I'll just I mean just to fade you guys um I think the Browns have what it takes I mean obviously you guys have Pretty much said that too, but I think they will put it together. I do see a situation though, because if you remember the Giants, you know um, having a, a decent year, then switching to their offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo, and uh, they had a good year to start, and then it all fell apart. So maybe it's not the best comparison, but it, experience is a plus. But I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and praise the Browns. I think I think they're going to put it together. I really I I think complete opposite with the Steelers. I, I'm not that I would avoid them for fantasy purposes. I just think they're not going to be as uh as good of a team next year and uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go to the Browns. So my bold prediction I see I didn't really put much thought into this either, but um and I wouldn't say it's it's necessarily bold then. Uh, let's see. Let's
3: see. I think he's he's going to edit this Oh, definitely. Maybe. I'm gonna edit this. <laughs> this um,
2: is gonna be
0: a smooth transition. He's gonna yeah,
2: go right no, to Tim, his he's,
3: point. He's, <laughs> he's gonna nail somebody. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I did this one time, and I, I put the Jeopardy music in
3: between. Um, yeah. Shit, I don't really. Yeah, it's tough. I don't. I, mean, I don't know of any it bold predictions, tough. but I think the NFL feels pretty flat this year.
0: I think nothing too. I don't think anything too wild. I, I guess I would just say. Oh, shit, man. No, I don't. I don't. I really don't have. it. Actually, I'll say this. Uh, let's go bold. I think the Bucks win the division. I know. Yeah. Right. Wow. And that's wild because of everything. Uh, obviously, the Saints are there and uh, the Falcons are there. So really, I mean, in the Panthers. Um. So I'm probably way off base, but um, I'm gonna go ahead and say the Bucks win the division.
3: I would be uh, willing. After that, I, know. I would be willing to say the Saints won't win the division, but I wouldn't bet it's gonna be the Bucks. I think the, uh, the Falcons and the Panthers each have a pretty good chance of winning that division.
0: Yeah. And I think the, I, I don't think the bucks have no, I, well, you wanted a bold prediction. I gave you a bold prediction. It's I don't think I don't think that they will. I think they could. So that's why it's a prediction. Um, all right. So that, that's that part. Let's talk fantasy. Let's, I don't know if you guys believe in fantasy karma or not. I'm getting to that point now where it's just like, fuck it. Let's just have some fun. Um, Let's, let's have fantasy bowl predictions. You can call somebody out. You can you know make a prediction on your behalf. Uh, if you want to say a player, I, I would advise against it. But um, if, you, if you really want to give up somebody uh, out loud like that, go ahead. Uh, BJ, we'll start with you. Actually, no, we won't start with you this time because we were supposed to start with Brown last time, and he deferred to you, Brown. Uh, you deferred, so you're starting the second half.
3: My fantasy prediction... So how many teams make playoffs? Six? Seven. Seven. Seven? Seven? How How is that possible? Seven.
0: How? Only the top seed gets a bye.
2: Okay, and then when... Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense.
3: Thank you. Yes. Next. Um, All right, so...
0: Thank you. Next.
3: The... Whoever drafts a quarterback first does not make the playoffs.
0: Okay. Interesting. Okay. I will say, and I had this conversation with BJ, I will say the year already lost in the championship, uh, he drafted Aaron Rodgers first overall. So I think that's the case. That could be wrong. That, that was he like,
3: like.
0: He definitely drafted Aaron Rodgers first overall one year. I don't remember if that's
3: the year he made the championship. That was like the dead ball era, bro.
0: Yeah, I don't know, Jim. No, that's that.
3: Yeah, go ahead, B.J. I'm
0: gonna
2: go with a uh, even though you said you advised against it, I'm gonna go with a player and then a prediction after that. It's funny you said that you had the butt you were high on the Bucks. I think it was a little far to say they win the division, but actually, I think that Jameis Winston is poised for a big year. Even though I'm not a big Jameis Winston fan, I think uh, bringing in um. Bruce Arians is the coach. He's quarterback whisper. So I think uh, Jameis is going to be tossing that pigskin around. I think he's going to put up some big numbers this year. He's going to put up his fair share of interceptions because he's just a dumb guy and just throws it up for, for grabs. But I'm expecting a lot, a lot of a lot of a lot of titties and a lot of yards this year. Uh, as far as my prediction for the league, um, I'm going to say that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get a new champion, but I also think, and it's, it's going to be easy to see who I'm talking about here, I think we're actually going to have a new team make it to the championship. A new team as far as uh, those 11th and 12th members of the league. So I'm expecting that uh, one of the new team members, one of the new team owners will make it to the championship but not win the championship
0: brown i actually want to follow up on that one with you because one of the things i discussed about in the 12 team league was if you didn't win a championship when there was 10 people there it, it just became a lot harder with 12 uh if if what bj said is true and greg or gabe take home a cha- or at least make it to a championship game this year and let's say hypothetically it's not against you and let's so let's take it even farther and say gabe or greg win the championship uh how does that affect your mental state
3: I mean, it doesn't affect me too negatively. I think, uh, I think my odds are going up with the the expansion. I think that that helps me. So, if they if either of them have an inaugural season win, like a Vegas Knights type run, um, good for them. Very impressive. Uh, I think that's gonna that's that's kind of why I am in favor of the twelve team league. Is let's make it more competitive. Let's make it. Uh, let's bring in some new elements. Um, a little bit of an unknown. I think that we the ten of us are pretty. Uh, comfortable with each other's styles and players that people generally like. Like at this point, a lot of us have had the same players a couple of times now, or at least know like who, who's trying to get somebody off your team through trades a bunch of times. So adding some new elements is going to be interesting. And if they win, good for them.
0: Hmm. All right, Gabe, Greg, yeah, uh, challenges out there for you. Go win it. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll give a player one, too. Uh, huh. And I'm not sure this is necessarily bold or not. I think it is maybe given the circumstances, given the quarterback, and maybe because I haven't seen him on hard knocks yet, I think AB still finishes as a top five receiver in fantasy. And uh, as far as the league, the last two years, five teams made it again, or made it both years. I think that's correct. I think I think Canif and Mike swap. It's
3: not a lot of turnover.
0: It's not a lot of turnover. I, it's not necessarily a bold prediction, but I think those same five guys make the playoffs again, and that means that means two spots are up for grabs. So I guess, my prediction is the same five guys who made the playoffs the last two years are going to all make the playoffs again. Uh, this
3: who show. Who is that for the record? I
0: do believe it's myself, um, Jay. You, Allen. You, Allen. So Jay, Allen, me. Uh, Whom? Artie. That's four. I think the f- I think the fifth is Mioc, which would make that actually makes that point mute because James made the playoffs. James and Cannon both made the playoffs, so maybe it was those four. All right. So if it's four, it's me, Artie, Allen, and Jay, and I think us four make the playoffs again. So let's let's have the three other three be open season. BJ, have anything to say about that? You're gonna be one of those three.
2: Uh, I sure hope so. I mean, th- my circle of life mantra will go by the wayside if I'm not.
3: Well, sometimes you have to, you know, it takes a little while to bounce back.
2: Well, I've had two straight bad years, so I- I've taken my turn on the bottom ring. Uh, I want to come back up to where I, where I'm used to.
3: BJ, you you cleaned up in the era when I uh, I set my lineup in like a Thursday morning class and realized that I didn't start like a quarterback the previous week because he was on a bye.
2: Listen, I took advantage of uh, lesser, lesser talent back then. Sometimes you got to beat up on the bad teams. Uh, it, I, I hate to say it, but I was the Patriots to a lot of uh, people's Bills and Dolphins and Jets, and I just I, I dominated my division, picked up the easy wins, and uh, performed in the playoffs when I needed to.
0: It's a it's a it's a season long game, but it's it changes every week. I want to thank. Uh... BJ, Alan, for coming on, taking the time, taking this almost two hours now uh, to talk fantasy football, talk real football, talk greatest calls. So, before I let you guys go, uh, you know, if you want to make a nice little closing case, say, say some parting words. And uh, I guess uh, once again, uh, BJ, you started the show. So, we'll let you go first and we'll let Alan. Um, you know, I think we're about an hour and
2: 40 something minutes into it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think we've gotten some good, uh, some good laughs, but also some hard-hitting facts, and I think that's what uh, Pillow Talk brings to you: is the hard-hitting facts. We uh, we we span from regular fantasy to some some puck talk, which is always exciting. And uh, look, boys, nine days—that's what it's down to. I'm sure this will be posted with less days left, but nine days until draft time. Looking forward to it circle life it's the wheel of fortune i just can't wait to be king and i feel the love tonight guys i feel the love for all you and uh it's gonna be a good year
3: that was beautiful bro thank
2: you pillow talk
3: (laughs) i think
0: alan just before you go i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna cut that part and make it a sound (laughs) that That
3: was beautiful bro uh yeah, I don't really have uh, much to add to that. I'm excited to see the people that'll be at uh, Mohegan. RIP and peace to Jimmy. We used to be cool. Not anymore. But we'll catch we'll catch you later. Um, excited to see those guys. Everybody at the at the draft. <laughs> yeah, you <know, later>, bud. <laughs> <laughs> excited to see everybody at the draft. We'll have fun. We'll rip it up. Um, hopefully the uh, the draft goes off without a hitch. That early in the morning. Kind of kind of tough timing. I'd rather get it done at night. But uh, you know. Again, the boys will be separated from the men who can draft on a few hours of sleep and, uh, you know, a mid-20s hangover. Good luck to everybody. And, uh, you know, we'll see you guys soon.
0: Yeah, so thank, uh, thank you once again, Alan, BJ. Um, they, they didn't know they were coming. Well, Alan knew they were coming together. He's just fucking around. BJ didn't know that this was happening.
3: No, bro. You told me that we were both doing it. But at different times.
0: Well, this is my podcast. I, can, I can, I'm going to cut that out and just prove you're a liar. Um, so, that, that being said, I wanna I guess I'll thank you guys for the fifth time. Thank you, Alan, BJ, Mohegan. Nine days away. By the time I post this, probably, uh, probably six, because I think this is going to be ready for Monday. That's the plan. Um, draft is coming up. Uh, got a fun weekend. Well, I guess a fun day planned. Uh, come up whenever you want. I think the ox coming up Friday. So, uh, you know, we can we can have a little fun. I have a bad trend of getting messed up the day before I'm supposed to actually get messed up. So I'm going (laughs) to try to avoid that. Uh, Greg Payne's not going to be here for Friday. I'm not sure if he's coming at all, but he's not going to usually I do that with Greg Payne. So we're not going to have that issue this time. Uh, Look forward to draft uh, once again, Uh, just based on everybody's schedule. It needs to happen early. So like I'm talking eight o'clock, guys, like I'll be waking everybody up quarter to eight jim please I, I like this is one of those you're auto drafting jim canif uh yeah, yeah. jay if you're not up you're you're auto drafting that's what it's coming down to because that's that's time. jay's
3: gonna be there but i'm worried about jim and canif. I, I'm, I'm
0: i am particularly worried about jim I, we can find canif if we need to at least he's gonna be in that mohegan area um jim on the other hand i know for a fact he never charges his phone and it's always dead so good luck um he, he's
3: going to be at some girl's house like, let me get on your laptop. Let me get on your laptop. Go home. need me
0: draft my team. What the fuck is my fantasy pros login? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that being said, uh, I, I can't wait. I, I love this thing. I love fantasy. This is the only league I actually, uh, I'm in a lot of them, but this is the only league that has my heart. So, um, and damn, all my focus. So, if, uh, you know, it's always nice to fall back on things if I have to change that focus, but we're not going to get to that point. So that being said, uh, we only end this show, uh, we're, uh, show on uh, three words and three words only, and that's
3: uh, love you guys. Shut up, Jay. That was beautiful, bro.
6: That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that.
5: No, there it is. We are gonna do sting,
6: yeah. Okay, but now I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it.
5: Okay. Any sure.
6: There's no words there. To play us out. What does that mean? To play us out.
5: It's sting is gonna do it's a video.
6: Sting video. What is for credits. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today, and we will leave you with a, I I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay.
1: We'll
6: we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I'll write it, and we'll do it live.
4: Fucking thing sucks.